You are listening to episode 241 of the Game to Players podcast. My name is John and I'm joined by Brian. Hey everybody, here at the Game to Players podcast, we like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing and we fight the controls to rid the land of bad custard in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we played a little bit of Kingsley's Adventure on the PlayStation 1. Hey, Ryan, play is a generous word. <clears throat> it really is. Uh, so I told Ryan before we recorded, I was like, before there was Dark Souls, and he corrected me and said Demon Souls, there was Kingsley's Adventure. And this is the <laughs> Prepare to Die edition. So let's uh, get started with the episode, though. You can find us on thegameinflators.com, our currently up-to-date website. Uh, you can also find us on social media, at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. Find us on YouTube, just search in Game Deflators, and the podcast app you're listening to right now. Leave us a five-star review. Hey, and sometimes you can even check us out on other people's podcasts recently we appeared on the playstation uh collectors podcast and that was a pretty fun time yeah we're also on youtube music now actually so i got that set up nice yeah they do podcasts on there now which is kind of cool okay um pickups i picked up uh four ps5 games this week i got Deathloop, ghostwire tokyo the quarry and pathless and i realized that like were these all the ps plus games or you actually bought these? I actually bought these. Dang. Yeah, I mean... It looks like a really solid PS Plus lineup. <laughs> yeah, right? So uh, GameStop had their like 4 for 20, 4 for 40 deal. Mm-hmm. And so I picked these up as part of that deal. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, Ghostwire Tokyo, I heard quite a bit from you on that one. So definitely excited to jump into that. Deathloop, uh, we actually interviewed uh, Mark Witten, who happens to be on that game. So it was pretty cool. Go check out that episode. The Quarry, I think you had mentioned that you couldn't get into it, but it's my style of game. Yeah, that, we like, played an episode of like the first chapter or something, and it was okay. Yeah, and so the other one being Pathless, uh, that one kind of looks kind of cool. You know, it's kind of like know blocky animated style characters so it's like a 10 hour game and it had really good reviews so i figured why not um that and it was the last game that i chose out of this group because they didn't have a whole lot of ps5 and even ps4 games that were in f4 for 20 deal at the location i went to um also i picked up more dnd paint so to add not to that enough collection, paint not enough paint yeah so i've been painting minis this week which has been great and i picked up three different uh citadel paints like the texture ones so these are the ones that i think you told me about this or my brother did where you paint on the base and if you want like rocks you just kind of like slap this paint on there and as it dries up it forms into rocks and then mm. there's another yeah, one where and there's another texture one where if you um paint it on there and once it dries it actually forms cracks like you would have in like a desert you know where you have oh, like, like those... a dry lake bed kind of <clears> yeah yeah, it's got that type of effect to it. So I bought some of those. And then I also got, um, what was the other paint I got? Uh, dry mud was the effect from Army Painters. So I got mm. that one. And the whole concept of this is to make sure that my minis just look good for all of you when we play. And I'm having fun with it, dude. I mean, I painted uh, two dwarves this week. I painted uh, two 
knights. And then I also painted three hobgoblins and I cleaned up a little bit on my, um, uh, what do you call it? My owl bear that I made last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also bought some metallic army painters. So like this nice blue shiny metallic look as well yeah. as this like fairy dust effect. Cool. So um, with the blue, I went in with like this light blue metallic in the certain areas and it kind of made things pop as if they were like, um, what would you call it? Uh, Mark- the thing. What's that? Sparkly. No, you know, those like creatures that can el- bioluminescent. Mm. Um, so it had like a bioluminescent effect on certain areas that I painted, which is pretty cool. And then I hit like the wood and stuff on that particular mini of the owlbear with the fairy dust effect and like certain areas kind of sparkle, which is cool. So definitely excited about that. And then I uh, picked up a couple minis as well. So um, my wife at some point wants to run her own campaign and she has ideas and what she wants uh, us to play. So not for what us to play as in characters, but the story. And I decided that for that, I'm going to play a human bard. So uh, I will play a character that sleeps with everything and everyone. So I can't wait. That'll be fun. Nice. <clears throat> okay. Now currently playing, I am still playing white Knight Chronicles. So I got to uh, the desert in this game. So it's probably about four or five chapters in, uh, or scenes in, and I'm still having some pretty good fun with it. You know, it, it reminds me of, uh, an older school final fantasy, but just with that action, you know, RPG combat style. That's like and the newer school final fantasy. Kind of. It has like the old school vibe in terms of the knights and all that. And I guess 16 is knights and such. So I kind of went back to that vibe, but it has that like old school final fantasy vibe. <clears throat> Jeez. I'm just like Flemmy, dude, on this podcast episode today. Uh, but it has that old school vibe. And uh, that's just kind of what I was looking for in terms of an RPG. And I'm in, I'm enjoying it still. I'm at a point now where I do have to level grind. So that kind of sucks. But overall, not too bad. So nice. how about yourself? Uh, no pickups for me this week. I did. I watched the Nintendo Direct. I guess we could talk a little bit about that here because we don't have an article or anything about it and i thought it was like a pretty good looking direct i've never played super mario rpg legend of the seven stars but i love me some paper mario so i was like you know what i bet that's on the switch snes like library nope but it is on the snes classic so booted that up for the first time in a minute and uh started playing that and you know what i think it's fun to kind of go back and revisit stuff with like the actual controller like i know it's emulated but i mean it's not like it's i'm really getting a big difference of experience on this game and i i don't know like i do enjoy going back and revisiting stuff with a super nintendo controller and i messed around with that for like a couple hours i didn't get very far or do very much in it but it is kind of a a fun throwback and you know does have all that stuff that i know of from like you know, my experiences with Mario RPGs that came out later. Uh, I don't think that that's probably a game that like I'll go out and buy the remake of it. And I think I was just kind of messing around with it. I, I was really heavily thinking about uh, the darkness and Pikmin this week. So I think I am going to have to gear up and play those soon. Although I will be on a trip next weekend. So it may yet be a little while before I can get to them, but I will get to them soon ish nice good stuff man um 
So let's see. I guess if you want to quickly talk about before we dive into our holy grail topic, some of the things that you were excited about with the uh, Switch Direct or Nintendo Direct. Uh, for me, I actually was kind of excited about <clears throat> Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Um, it did have, you know, obviously it, it looks like another new Super Mario Bros., right? But it has all of the effects of things moving and the colors and everything else. So it, it has a different type of feel to it uh, in comparison to other Mario games that have been released that are 2D. So I got pretty excited about that. Uh, Detective Pikachu. Uh, I didn't play the first one, but for some reason I kind of want to after seeing the second one. So that's one to get excited about for me. And then the last one here, I'm just trying to go through the list here to make sure I don't miss it. Star anything. Ocean, the second story R. That looks See, incredible. It does. Have you been into the Star Ocean games? I, I, Star actually, I actually beat that one. So I wasn't as excited for it. Like, it's really cool. All the 3D aspects of it, like all the upgrades have been made to the background. But the character sprites are exactly the same. So it's like if I'm going to play a remake of a game, you know, I want it to be like updated characters as well. And that's what kind of killed it for him. Like, I'm just going to get the same, the same feel and experience just with updated backgrounds, which mm -hmm. at that point, whatever. But I will say, though, I highly, highly recommend that you play that one. Yeah, that one looked pretty good. Um, that's I think one that, of, that's actually one of my favorite RPGs of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Myth Force looked pretty cool. The one that's like a Saturday morning cartoon kind of look, drop in and pick up multiplayer. Mm -hmm. uh that looks kind of like a fun idea um God, i i don't know the sonic superstars we had already seen that uh oh the metal gear solid collection that's definitely one that i want to pick up like i don't own any copies of metal gear i've never played any of them and it is a shame that like almost all of that game is going to be download and not on the cart like, I yeah. think the cart is basically just like the menu and launcher and then you have to download everything else. But like it comes with like the old games. It comes with like three of the like middle games. It comes with like the guidebooks. It comes with the comic books. Like it's got so much extra love and attention in there. Like if it was all on the cart, it would be, you know, perfect chef's kiss. But like with this it's still just very enticing as somebody who hasn't already bought those games like two or three times to finally have it all in like the switch as a place playable place. And especially since I'm so comfortable with the switch as a digital platform, I, I think this is like uh, a steal of a deal to pick up. But also, I guess because of all of that digital content, this is not going to be something you can really sleep on and pick up used. You're going to have yeah. to pick it up new and hope that you get through all of it before the servers go down eventually. Yeah, another one that caught my eye was Penny's Breakaway. So that's a little 3D action platformer. And uh, you know how I am about platformers. So I definitely think that is one to keep an eye on uh, as well. So. Lots, lots of good stuff that came out of that, man. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Pikmin 4, that still looks really good. Pikmin 1 and 2 HD versions coming out on Switch. Um, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a, a pretty good end of this year. And it's got a lot of the things that we were saying, you know, last week. Like, they're really going to start to fill out that calendar by throwing back to some 
old school stuff that'll be easy to move over and not necessarily really looking to break the mold on anything new that's gonna you know push the old switch too hard before they could kick off the marketing campaign for switch to wii u electric boogaloo plus pro model whatever mm-hmm. did you see uh um what was the other one uh gloomhaven it's gonna yeah. have a tactical rpg on there as well so i mean if this is basically uh <laughs> could be considered like a tutorial for how to play the actual board game version it's worth it, it. it might do really well <laughs> <laughs> that game is like notoriously hard to like comprehend i've heard I, I mean, it's it, RP. I... It's it's D and D in a box with no DM, so it's like everything that happens has a rule in the book that you need to follow. So it's like I'm sure that a wiki and a, a searchable PDF are your friends in that game. Uh, absolutely. So uh, that's one that I think I will pick up because uh, Gloomhaven does give me some interest right like i I am interested in playing i mean you bought it forever ago i remember we opened it and went through it and we were like wow that's a lot of stuff and then we closed it up and i'm sure it's never seen the light of day again it's been open a couple times like honestly i've been going back and forth like once we're done with strixhaven what i want to do for DD, and it's like gloomhaven and dark souls are the two that like continually come up in my mind that i want to play so i just don't know how to start those minis now god man there's so many um i don't know dark souls one i kind of want to keep as is i don't think i need to paint those like they just yeah i don't know we'll see i might have some good fun with those they're big though i got so many damn dark souls minis and i have to pick up more because more got released Mm. so i'm kind of screwed in that respect i've got to get more minis now and i don't know where to put them ryan (laughs) upstairs you know right next to where you play right yeah right no, we don't play upstairs, though. I know. That's that's the joke. Oh. John's oh, got, like, you. this whole, like, chest of all of his minis and stuff, and then it's, like, a hike up and down the stairs. Like, if you were playing a game where you actually had to set up, like, a whole bunch of stuff, you'd be, like, up and down, up and down. That's actually what I do before you guys come over, mm-hmm. usually. I pull, like, all the minis that I need, but occasionally I'll need, like, one more mini, and I forget. I'm like, oh, crap. I got to run back upstairs and get it. At that least you don't is... have terrain that you got to move. Uh... Yeah, that's that's a good point. If I had to move terrain, we'd probably be playing upstairs permanently. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with the uh, the TV, though. That's just some... wait. In your third house, you'll have like a basement that's just going to be like those super elaborate D&D rooms where you've got like, you know, the full field tables that are all like flocked and have like flowing water and stuff. And you'll have like all these like just shelves on the walls of minis and terrain to pick from. Oh, God, I wish. <laughs> one day john one day no probably not i mean we we would definitely need a bigger house than what we got right now that's what i'm saying you need a basement that's what basements oh, are for yeah, nerd dude, stuff you know how hard it is to get a damn basement in arizona yeah yeah i've looked trust me that was we were... <laughs> yeah we were looking for basements initially if we had a big enough property like i'd be down to build a separate thing in the back you the know D shed the D shed yeah specifically for dnd it's we would call it the dungeon that's what it would be yeah all right discussion topic uh i propose to ryan not propose ryan but i propose to ryan the topic of uh holy grails and gaming so personal holy grails and it is you know a game that you either have now or one that you want and why doesn't have to be a long discussion but just figure it'd be a a little fun one to discuss because we really hadn't talked about this in the past yeah so i'll let you kick it off first 
So a couple of years ago, I was watching, I think it's a Nick Robinson video where he's showing off like cool stuff at his house. And uh, he showed me something that I had never seen before. And I just thought it was cool as hell. And I was like, oh my God, I want that. But it's probably really expensive. And it is. And it's like a hard to find thing, probably. I mean, I see them listed here online. So it's, it's, it's as hard to find as the money to put together to purchase it is. But uh, back on the GBA, they did a bunch of releases of classic Famicom games. And they made a whole bundle like of them. I think there's like 30 of them. And uh, if you bought them, you could like send in the codes or whatever to Nin Club Nintendo and get like a special display box for them. And they're these big boxes and they've got like a fold out case that has 10 uh, of these classic mini uh you know, NES Famicom games that are all ported for Game Boy and they've got like kind of a cool display box and like the cover of like the original title in there. It, they look really cool. I love tiny things and like retro game stuff. And I, I just, I mean, these are games that I haven't played many of them and I likely am not really interested in playing them, but I just think the aesthetic of this and like, when you have like all the boxes and they've got like all the like throwback art on there and stuff, I just think this is like super cool. And I would definitely like love to have these as like a display piece item, but it's like two grand for like the full set now. Yeah. I just, I looked at it online. I see like one through 11 is like $700 right now, not including tax. Yeah. So there's just, um, there's a lot, in there that really appeals to me and my tiny retro like aesthetic that I really dig. Like I love the, um, the game and watches that came out the Mario and the, the Zelda one. Like I would love if they made more of those. Like I was really hoping for like a Metroid one or, or something to come out. So um, yeah, I, I just think that's super cool. And ever since I saw it, I've been like, Oh my God, I want that so bad. Yeah. Meanwhile, by the way, you can, buy right now online for like less than three hundred dollars a hundred famicon games like just random mm -hmm. i mean that to me is actually a pretty good deal if you're looking to just mess around with games that are japanese mm -hmm. so nice that's a cool one i didn't know that that was a, a thing so yeah definitely learned something new today on the podcast yeah that and probably in like second place would be something just like you know, weird, like, a, uh, like an N64 DD or something like that. Yeah. Just because it's like one of those weird things that like, I've never even seen or interacted with one or like maybe just something like, I mean, the ultimate Holy grail, like the Nintendo PlayStation or something that there's like one of in existence. Yeah. This would be pretty cool. Um, you know, to have in a collection for sure, especially like that Nintendo PlayStation, like yeah. just something that's sitting there that you can't do anything with that. You know, you're just like, it's there. I have it. Yeah. Enjoy. Look at it. And then like the, the biggest like Holy Grail thing that I have like for myself is like um, probably, probably the Famicom Game Boy Micro, like again, tiny retro aesthetic, 
Like when I went to Japan and I picked that up, like that was something that I had wanted since it came out here. But like I already had a regular Game Boy Micro and I wasn't about to pay $100 to get another one, even though like $100 is like an absolute steal for like a new inbox. One of those like should have picked up five. <laughs> yeah. Um. So for me, Holy Grail wise, uh, I already have mine, my personal, and that was Dot Hack Quarantine. And I know you questioned why the hell that was my holy grail. And I'll, I'll give you my reason. Dot Hack Quarantine was a game that I had my eye on prior to collecting, right? And so rolling Haven't you it back. always been collecting? Not really, no. So early on, I bought Dot Hack 1, right? Really enjoyed the game. And then I just didn't play them anymore after that. I was like, well, that sucks, right? And, uh, you know, I, I had other games I wanted to move on and play. And I just completely forgot about the series. Then college happened. And there happened to be a game store that I ended up working at uh, for years after that. But before I worked there, they had .hack uh, 1, 2, 3, and 4. They had the full bundle. And at the time, it was like 70 or $80 for all four of them. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, shoot, like I'm a poor college student, but I really want that. So I'm like, can you please set that aside for me? And I'll just I'll save up some money over the next couple of weeks and I'll buy it. And they were like, oh, yeah, no problem. Like, no problem at all. So they literally set the games aside for me uh, because we had become pretty good friends with the owners there and um, who obviously gave me a job down the road, you know, so they put those aside and I picked them up for like 80 bucks uh, later on, which is great. And so fast forward, I still haven't beat the three and four, but I beat one and two and really enjoyed those games. And they they really were like my holy grail in the aspect of at the time they were still a decent price. You know, 80 bucks for the set of four was still a decent price at the time for uh, decent in terms of um, cost. Right. It was a little high for me at the time. And yeah, I mean, just knocking that off kind of started to domino effect into other games that i hadn't played and that really kind of kick-started the collecting again by getting those four games so like games like that are, are really what kind of set me onto the path that i am now so it has more significance in in that aspect as well so that is my holy grail uh personally speaking now if there was or that i have now if there's one that i want that i don't have it'd probably be echo night beyond is one that I've been looking at and I want to say if it's a horror game or it's an RPG, one of the two. Uh, so that's one that's also been on my list for a number. It's of my years. Holy grail. I don't know much about it. It's yeah. I mean, look, you know how I am as far as collecting. It's a right? 2004 I, survival adventure or yeah. survival horror adventure. It's like a mix oh, of both. From soft. It's a mix of both like the RPG aspect and the horror aspect. And so if you know my collecting habits, right? I collect PS2. And I or not PS2, I collect RPG and I collect horror games. So that's like a marrying of the two. And mm. it's always been on the list, but I think it's like 250, 300 bucks now. It's it's pretty high up there last I checked. Might have gone down actually. There's a I see a 160, 150 on eBay listings on the top of Google here. Complete in box. Yeah, looks like it. Ooh. Okay. I think yeah. I have a new I have a new target. I know. I was just kind of looking too. Like another one of my holy grails, like I just I love Paper Mario. We were just talking about this like 10 minutes ago in the intro. But like, I remember so hard. I got 
Paper Mario, and then I had to go like shoe shopping and run errands with my mom afterwards. And that's just like the worst thing as a small child. And I just remember like staring a hole through the box and like going through the manual and like I, I don't have it anymore, obviously, since a long time ago. Like I would love a complete inbox of Paper Mario, but it's like three hundred dollars. And honestly, I don't have an N64 to play like the cart on. So I think a better option for me, I'm looking online here and I could just get like a repro of the box for like 10 bucks on Etsy. Like that's a way better investment for me. I'd get all the nostalgia and everything I want out of it for just the price of a box. Yeah. And if you want to go that far, you could just buy a repro of the actual cart. I wouldn't even use it for anything. Like I just really want to look at the box. Nostalgia. Maybe the manual. Nostalgia. Buy the manual as well. Repro. Just do the whole thing. Repro. Yeah. It's worth it. I mean, what? 40 bucks. So 300. I'd do it. Sounds like a damn good investment to put on your wall for sure. I mean, come on. Think about it. Artwork, right? If you had artwork. And you're buying a high priced piece of artwork that you're putting on display to look at it. You know, kind of the same concept. You're just buying a reproduction of a Mario game. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's dive into some news that happened this week. So the first thing here is Microsoft only bought Bethesda after learning that Starfield might have been a PlayStation exclusive. And this was uh, David uh, Carousel, right? Carcassol. I think it's Carcassol. Carcassol at PSU. I butchered David's name. I'm sorry, David. Okay. So this, uh, it was interesting because this came from all the FTC hearings and stuff that are coming up right now in the reasoning of Bethesda being purchased and kind of, and the reason it's brought up, right, is they're using this actually as a, really as a point to say, we think you are going to keep Activision games exclusive to Xbox. And they've said, oh, well, 10 years, blah, 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 blah. I think it was you that shared, it was a video, I think they called it out, where in 10 years time, Microsoft might release like two or three Call of Duty games. Yeah, at most. At most, right? So you're getting two or three games over a 10 year period. And I've said countless times already that after that 10 years is up, they will likely reevaluate and at that point determine, do we actually keep these on PlayStation, Nintendo, or do we keep them exclusive? Right? Are there even going to be consoles in 10 years? That That's too. even a question that like, I don't think anybody's addressing at this point. Well, we know there's going to be a PS6, which means... Yeah, yes, I guess it will... will still be in its lifetime. So yeah, whether there will... there will be a PS7 and Xbox, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that we don't know. But we do know that console life cycles are about eight years time. Uh, we're probably about what five years, four years into this current one. No, not even that. It's only been a few years. So the next consoles really shouldn't even be out to like 2028. So, you know, when you consider that, you're looking at 2036 is when the PS7 would be released. So, I mean, that's so far in advance. But that said, I mean, anything can happen, right? In the next 10 years with this deal. But what they're saying is Microsoft initially came out and said, oh, yeah, Bethesda games. We're considering a multi-platform. They're not always going to be exclusive, blah, blah, blah. Well, now you've got Starfield is exclusive. Elder Scrolls is exclusive. So Microsoft, because the deal has already gone through, has kind of rolled it back and said, no, we're going to keep these to ourselves. And so the FTC's argument is, well, what is stopping you from doing that down the road? You're saying all this that you're doing right now, but you said that as well before purchasing Bethesda. 
And now we're looking at a situation where you're not going to have Bethesda games on other consoles. So what's to stop you from doing that with Activision? And of course, they've noted like, well, Call of Duty, you know, it'd be stupid and asinine to not have it on other consoles because it's a money making machine, which is true to some respect. But what about all of the other IPs that Activision has under it? that will no longer be multi-platform. They'll be exclusive mm -hmm. to Microsoft, right? So that's what everybody keeps forgetting is that Activision has a crap ton of games that are under that arm, right? And that's all gone with this uh, acquisition. And Microsoft is, I don't know if they've continually said it, but I, I think there's been leaked emails or discussions that they're looking to take Sony out. And they see- That was in 2019 when that email came out. So that was like- years before any of this even got started and objectively well, is the goal of every company to destroy every other company that they consider competition like i don't think that was news to anybody really it, it was is, damning except, to see it in an email though it is except for the fact that microsoft has continually said that this will help with competition well there it'll is be hardly any the... competition now in their eyes too like they keep saying like we're in such a solid third place. And that is so true. Like Microsoft's like, I mean, I feel, I feel like I'm a little unaware of exactly what the numbers are because I only ever see like reports coming out of like Japan with like Famitsu and stuff. Like there's always like more, or I, I don't know who reports them actually, but they report like all the sales spawn wave goes over it like every month and like Xbox is, buried at the bottom of the list i'll tell you and right like now they get just destroyed in all these other markets like i'm sure the american market is a lot closer console sales as of right now it is 125 million for switch which we already yeah. knew that was the case because they came out during ps4 uh ps5 is 37.89 million and a microsoft is sitting at 21 million 21.8 million yeah so i mean like the amount of the amount of what this is going to do for Microsoft versus how much it's going to hurt PlayStation. Like, I feel like everybody's like, oh, it's all about just Call of Duty. Call of Duty is going to make or break PlayStation. Meanwhile, like PlayStation is putting out so many exclusives that like Xbox players like don't even have like barely a leg in the genre. Like, I don't know what it's costing Microsoft to put out all these deals to get like persona and stuff pushed over to their consoles. But I mean, they're definitely not doing it for free. And you know how much PlayStation is paying Sony or um, square to not put anything on Xbox. Like I, I feel like this is all kind of backwards and crappy. Like, these companies are supposed to be trying to serve the end users and really all they're trying to do is make it as bad as they can for the other people's users so that they don't stay on that platform as much as they can help it. Like they're not trying to, you know, encourage competition in the way that's like, Oh, let's just like make great games with first party studios. They're just trying to cut everybody's knees out by spending money and buying stuff. And, you know, losing jobs and closing studios and making studios make games that they don't even want to make. Like, I think we heard about like Redfall that like arcane awesome lost like half their staff because they didn't want to work on that type of game. 
And it's like, it's already really hard out there in the job market for this industry. And when you're not thinking of like what actually, you know, you should be doing for the consumers and what you should be doing for the devs and just what you can do to screw the other guy. Like that's when we get into these like real console wars and we're seeing a lot of this behind the scenes now. And it just, it's, it's ugly and I don't like it. And I, I I just want this to be over. I, I feel like, We've talked about this many times. At the end of the day, I'm kind of on the side of don't let it go through purely because screw the company. Like if that's what the big corporation wants, no doubt it's going to be worse for us somehow. Like even if I wind up getting games, you know, for free on Game Pass, like I don't necessarily know that that's worth it for me to say that that's a good deal and how things should go. Like screw all companies and I hope none of them get what they want. (laughs) The only way that this ends up being good for gamers, and I believe I've noted this before, is if Microsoft does not release another Xbox console and Game Pass becomes available on Nintendo and PlayStation and PC. Yeah. And like your TV and other areas, right? And they are purely releasing games and that's what they focus on. Your new TV probably has Xbox built into it uh doubtful because it's a sony bravia Mm, yeah yeah (laughs) so i'm a bravia guy for sure uh but yeah so i i've been against this from the very start right i and it's not from a playstation aspect it's from microsoft locking things behind microsoft and historically has not exactly done the best job with their games and releases and we're even seeing that with a recent comment that was made uh, from I think it was Phil Spencer that the new Elder Scrolls they're still five years away they feel from that launching so well I mean that's because Todd Howard's been working on Starfield yeah, like they're hoarding it. that IP and not letting it get out to other studios to work on this kind of stuff because it's got to be a Bethesda game yeah and I get that but if five years from now you realize it'll be 17 years since the last Elder Scrolls is out I mean, it's we're getting close to that on GTA, and that's not even in this mix of stuff. Yeah, but except GTA, they continue to innovate and do things in GTA and expand upon that world and, and do things that are new to the player and are still fun. Right? I mean, not to give Bethesda too much credit, they did make like Elder Scrolls Blades and they have released like anniversary edition of Skyrim on everything except for... You know, your water heater at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, it's just one of those things, though, like. And they've made more more... games than Rockstar has in the interim. Rockstar made Red Dead and Bethesda made Fallout 76, Fallout 4, um, Starfield. Like, they've been busy doing stuff. Like, at least there's things to show. They have been, except, you know, Rockstar has put out what could be argued as, like, 10 out of 10 games, right? That are just stellar in performance and, you know, just all around fantastic. I mean, the Whereas most selling piece of media ever made by humanity is Tetris. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, I think it is Tetris, but GTA, no, it's GTA 5. Is it 100% GTA 5? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the point, though, right? Like they are continuing to work on those things because they generate money, they're done correctly fans enjoy it there's nothing wrong with them or not that there's nothing wrong with them but they they put a lot of work into those to make them as perfect as they can right whereas yeah. bethesda is releasing 
buggy mess after buggy mess and jank games, right? And yeah, they're pumping out more games, but would you rather have quality over quantity? I would. I'd rather have a game more than once a decade. (laughs) Yeah. Either way, you cut it. And they're saying five years, right? Well, it could be longer for all we know. It could be eight years from now, and now you're looking at twenty years. You know, twenty years to get the next iteration of, uh, you know, Elder Scrolls. That's stupid. Come no, t- Elder Elder Scrolls came out in 2011. Yeah, that is 2031. That's, that's eight years, years from now. That's 12 years since 2011, right? They said it's going to be five years. That yeah, but they, a three-year delay beyond five? Who knows? I, I mean, mean unless they point. have to do like the Metroid Prime 4 where they just like, all right, it's been three years. Let's scrap it all and start over. There you go. They could do that. There there could be a whole change in the guard. There could be shifts in, in Microsoft in general. It'll Microsoft. probably be like Todd Howard's last game. If they even get there, <laughs> you know? So, Anyways. Uh, yeah, putting it all that in perspective, it's it's a huge mess. It's not good for gamers in general. Uh, none of us is. And I really do feel like we need to hope for the best and that Microsoft does not acquire Activision at this point. Well, so without leaving this topic and coming right back to exactly what we were talking about, uh, <laughs> Sony says it won't get Activision PlayStation 6 information if Microsoft acquires them. Uh, this is not something I had ever thought about until Jim Ryan came out with this this week in a statement. But I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like if you want your trade secrets and you don't want to just let everybody know what your next console is going to be before, you know, it has to be known, then yeah, you probably can't send dev kits to the enemy. So uh, this is kind of a weird, brilliant, stupid thing where PlayStation accuses Microsoft saying, well, even if they give us, you know, a new Call of Duty, they're probably going to make it terrible. You know, they'll give our players a worse experience than their players. And now Jim Ryan has ensured that that will happen. (laughs) Yeah, he pretty much has. Uh, So this is Tom Henderson at Insider Gaming with this one. And I, I'm a hundred percent on Jim Ryan's side in this case. You know, it, it would be stupid. Why would you hand over dev kits to a developer that is underneath your competitor? That's owned by, it makes no sense, absolutely no sense to say, here's a PS6 dev kit a year and a half before it's released so that you could pass it to your bosses so they could see it. Like no NDA in the world is going to stop that. Yeah, especially when Phil's like, I got to go do a walkthrough at this studio. Yeah, it's just never, never going to happen. So the way that these games will be built in the future, if this happens, it's all Activision games would actually before you know obviously once a ps6 is released it's a different case but anything before that would have to be developed as if it was being developed for the ps5 well i mean how many how many games are going to be a launch lineup though like that's really what we're considering i mean i guess launch lineup in the modern era is probably like the first two years at this point so it's like how many games would activision blizzard realistically produce to be targeted at you know the first two years of the release of the next console and how much of that is actually going to be crossover like 
for this current era, so many games came out on PS4 and PS5, you know, simultaneously to cover, you know, the gap in the cross gen here. And we're just kind of now finally starting to get away. Like Xbox is like, okay, we're not showing off any more things for the Xbox one. That's a dead console. I don't know that Sony has officially said that or that they're not going to be releasing anything else first party on PS4 anymore, but they're the one who believe in generations. <laughs> yeah, so, Sony usually supports things up to like 10 years, typically, as far as what I've seen. Yeah, so I mean, it it's not like it's going to be like, oh man, every Blizzard game's only going to be on PS5 and it's going to suck and you won't be able to get it on PS6. Like, that'll only last as long as sony is willing to let it i mean you know you could send them a dev kit six months before the console comes out it's not going to change anything you know microsoft's not going to all of a sudden like retool their whole console and you know buy new chip sets and go to different manufacturers and stuff because you've got like more eyes in your processor than their flux capacitors have. I don't know how it works. <laughs> um, yeah, I I totally get that point. I just, I don't think it's a matter of like, you know, Sony will only let it happen as long as Sony's willing to let it happen. I think it's more so kind of what I said before, right? Like it'll be optimized for PS5 at first. PS6 will come out and then they'll say, okay, here's a dev kit for PS6. Right. Like you wouldn't do it before your launch, but after launch, there's no stopping Microsoft from grabbing a PlayStation six and being like, oh, I don't know, man, those and... uh, resellers are tough. Oh, yeah, that's true. Can Microsoft get their hands on a PS six at that point in time? Will know, there what be kind of bots global... are they going to have in five years? <laughs> <laughs> Will there be a global crisis that prevents the PS six from being purchased by your general consumer? Who knows? Oh, um, man, don't say that. Not the pandemic 2.0 pandemic 2.0. <laughs> covid the return <laughs> little little did we know microsoft strategy was to release a pandemic to screw the playstation 6's launch yeah it wasn't it was 10 cent it was 10 cent that did it they're like we're gonna ruin all of the gaming industry cell phones forever everybody for play more league <laughs> that's all it was 10 cent screwed everybody they released the virus um so let's see i guess my last point here uh and it's just something I'm restating from prior episodes is if this deal comes, goes through it's open season, right? So Sony is going to most likely make a huge, I think they'll make buy a huge square. move. Yeah. Well, they will definitely buy square. I think that's one for sure. But the other one, I mean, take two is always the one that everybody looks at, right? Like can Sony buy take two? What better statement than to be like, screw you, Microsoft than buying GTA and Red Dead. And saying, guess what? All your players, sure, you can go ahead and have Call of Duty, but are they going to get GTA? And at that point, that might actually be the, the solution, right? Like, okay, you bought a big guy. We're going to buy a big guy. Oh, you want GTA? Okay, well, let's go ahead and have an agreement that you'll bring Activision games over and we'll go ahead and send you these games. Yeah, I, so. I mean, Take-Two has a huge catalog of stuff. And yeah, I, mean, I mean, that would be kind of like the next real biggest target and honestly probably more of a spread out target like as popular as bethesda games are they're all the same game like you're only targeting one group but with take two you've got everything from nba 2k to 
Bioshock and Borderlands and Grand Theft Auto. Like they've got such a portfolio of things to draw from. Like that's really like a huge boost to like look at the variety that they would be able to put out on PlayStation Plus, you know, as a network versus, you know, oh, once every five years, you'll get like a really sweet RPG from uh, Xbox. Yeah, I could see that being the next the next move. Like that's the next chip to fall in all of this. That will and square for sure. Like I don't see a future in which Sony does not respond by buying square. Yeah. The biggest problem with, I think square getting bought up is just like, I mean, I would hope that their relationship with other platforms like Nintendo and, you know, stuff like that would be intact where we would still be able to get, things like a final fantasy 9 remake on switch but if they're owned solely by sony are is sony going to let that happen are they going to have room to be like hey guess what uh all the japanese uh consoles we're in the same you know boat we're going to help them out and and be friendly but screw you xbox and then just release things on everybody but xbox you know pc switch to ps6 and just leave xbox to die on the side like they could totally do that and just pretend like xbox doesn't exist and go back to the 90s of a two-party system pretending like sega doesn't exist <laughs> they pretty much good or they actually. could buy sega dude if they oh my god if they bought sega that'd be insane i mean there's so much good stuff that sega releases and then <laughs> is there and then yeah <laughs> i think and there's so, so much good stuff they have the potential to release okay that's true well they have yakuza <laughs> like yakuza oh that's one. true yeah 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 you got yakuza you got sonic you got all of the sega properties that are on there jet set radio right so uh or jet yeah jet, jet set radio you got that um we played i Blue love Stinger. how people talk about that like it's like it's a real franchise like aren't they gonna make like the second or third game ever for that <laughs> maybe in a, a year it'd be the third game crazy taxi come on you got tons of games on there uh but or or sony hypothetically says releasing a ps6 and guess what sega's releasing a dreamcast 2 at the same time we'll bring in all the money so that that would be a that'd be a chess move right there ryan all right so diving into um our last piece here of the news is a nintendo shareholder meeting was disrupted by a ranting splatoon 3 fan uh, this is Chris Scully in a VJ, VGC Video Game Chronicle. So Are they I brought this stop up. This? <laughs> I brought it up because, like, an episode, it was last week, you actually mentioned the shareholder meeting where this guy went on a rant about F Zero Remake, right? And yeah. it was happening. And that was a few months shares. back. Yeah. And he bought shares to specifically ask about this. And this article happened to fall in my lap. I'm like, this is great. Like, the next part of our discussion here. So basically, uh, this guy was bitching about the customizations on male characters and how they did not have an equal amount of customizations on female characters. Other Um, way around. Other way around. Okay. I thought it was the opposite. So yeah, basically the lack of customizations for one gender over the other in the game. And this guy, he, he goes on like this multi-sentence rant of a question and they're just like, your question's too long to answer. And he just continues going on. And then they finally answer back and are like, thank you so much for supporting our game and your valued opinion <laughs> is what he got. Yeah. And he he bought like $3,250 in shares 
it was like 30,000 yen worth of shares, I want to say, or was it 30,000 or 300,000 dollars worth of yen? I don't remember. Um, I don't know conversion he bought rates. $3,570 in US, and that's 512,000 yen. Okay, so there you go. That's a lot of yen. And the guy pretty much sold his Switch OLED, bought and sold other things like to try and get that money. And the, the ultimate part- cult of Nintendo. I'm going to sell all my Nintendo stuff so I could complain to Nintendo about how they're not Nintendoing the way I want. The best part about it, though, is the line that says his parents told him to stay out of it. Oh, yeah. He should have listened to them. Doesn't he know this is where microtransactions are born? Like, oh. this guy sold his own Nintendo stuff because he wants more just add-on customization? Nintendo's like, oh, man, if he's willing to sell his whole console, imagine how much we could sell a haircut for if we only charged, like, $4 or $5. We could sell a million of them. <laughs> Nintendo's gonna go like fully just go into microtransactions because this dude. Um, so what was the other piece I was gonna bring here? Oh, uh, I just I really hope that they had a good earnings call <laughs> because otherwise, can you imagine you sell all of your Nintendo stuff to get on the line and bitch at Nintendo and then they have a poor earnings and the money you just spent goes down like 10% because right. Nintendo had a bad earnings. So all the shareholders are like, he's right about the customization. Drop the price. We're backing out. <laughs> I don't Just, see uh, an inkling mohawk. You're done, Nintendo. Yeah. Good stuff. So that that was that was fun. Anything else you want to add to that? Uh, I don't know, man. Like as interesting as it is to see this repeatedly happen, I'm just wondering, like, when Nintendo's like, okay, there's shareholders. And then there's weird people. We need to find a way to separate the two in the meeting room. Like, like go into the Zoom lobby and just be like, okay, yep, that's a company. That's a company. That's a company. Who's this dude? Who's Jim? <laughs> Why does he have the minimum amount? How does $3,000 get you into a shareholder meeting? Like, that's not a lot of money for like no. that type of platform, it seems. Why does he have a Princess Peach picture for his Zoom profile image? <laughs> right. um, you know, I could see Nintendo saying, you know, we're getting a lot of fans that are asking questions. Let's raise that up to $10,000 instead. Yeah. Well, you I'm know, pretty that's... sure I thought the F-Zero guy had to buy like, I thought he bought like 30 grand worth of stock or something crazy. I don't know. I, I, I don't remember. It. Well, Either way, like if that's all it costs and you can just buy shares, bitch to a company and sell your shares afterwards, I think that's pretty solid. That's a pretty solid investment, right? Yeah, the guy spent 40K in stock for that one. I guess the Splatoon meeting was just cheaper. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it wasn't as good of an earnings call. (laughs) Um, That one did take place in Japan, though. So I don't know if maybe that's like a Japanese stock market thing compared to maybe the one that F-Zero guy was a U.S. stock market. I don't know. I'm sure either way it was like <laughs> not worth it. Yeah, probably not. I mean, it's it's not like the guy lost a bunch of money. Like it's it's stock, right? So it's technically it's volatile, but like he can technically sell it and get all his stuff back. It's not yeah. like he it's not like he bought a ticket for like a question and that's it. It ends there, right? Like he bought a ticket and now he could sell said ticket and either make more money or lose a small portion of it. Or mm-hmm. hold on to it and wait for the future. So, which honestly might be worth waiting because if they announce a new console soon, that guy could make a little extra money there on the side. 
but he won't be able to play Splatoon 3. That's the issue. All right. Our inflation deflation segments of the week is the original Demon Souls, Kingsley's Adventure. So this was developed by Cyanosis, published by Cyanosis, designed by James Smith, released in September of 1999. It is an action adventure. Reception is a seven-ish, I question those people. And a plot, the story focuses on Kingsley, an orphaned fox who is adopted by the king and queen of the Fruit Kingdom. Kind of would have been better if they said Fur Kingdom, but I'll go Fruit Kingdom. Who live in Carrot Castle. Uh, Is a carrot a fruit, technically? I don't, mm, I don't know. Does it have seeds? Isn't that? I think they do on the inside. I don't. You should look that up. I'm, I'm actually kind of curious now. Uh, root vegetable. Father, it's a, so it is a vegetable. So how is it a fruit kingdom? But they live in Carrot Castle. This is already wrong, I Ryan. Know, the game rabbits, is a man. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kingsley's father was a true knight of the fruit kingdom. It's a vegetable kingdom. So his goal is to become a true knight like his father. Ryan, I had a hell of a time with this game. <laughs> So yeah. y- you go you go into it and then I will bitch. So I'll, I, I'll pay like five dollars to to bitch and ask my questions. <laughs> I had a, a bit of a harder time getting in just because I am going the game preservation route of playing this, and uh, I was having a little problem with my preservation software. <laughs> but by the time I got in there uh, and started playing the game, like I had read the reviews a little bit last week when we picked this game out, and you know John had let me know it's the pre Dark Souls. And it is like an old school PlayStation tank controls game. So, you know, moving left and right will turn your character and you kind of have to drive them like a car. And right. you can use like the... The difference between tank controls is you actually can use two joysticks. Oh, I didn't have joysticks. I got oh. just the PlayStation Classic yeah. controller. And you only use your D-pad. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Go well, on. I mean, have you never played the original Resident Evil? It's the same tank controls tank controls tank controls i don't like tank controls well nobody does that's why they don't do them anymore but like i mean as far as like what i played i didn't really have too much trouble with it like obviously like having to back up or like i i would open a chest and like the coins would come out and i'd like back up and then i'd like sidestep to the right and sidestep to the left and then like do an about face and walk away like, I kind of knew that the controls were going to be finicky, so I was trying to be very deliberate anyways. Like, if I had gone in just expecting, like, whatever kind of game, I would have been like, Whoa, you know, but, like, I was kind of ready for that experience. You're a cute little fox. You start off at a castle. You do, like, a tutorial where you learn how to block and learn how to fight and, you know, get a crossbow and stuff like that. And then... As soon as you start running into enemies, you just like kick these spiders. Like you don't even stab them with your sword. I'm like, what's going on here? But I, I don't know. It's just kind of a classic, like, you know, hey, you got to go save the kingdom from this bad guy and learn how to be a true hero. I mean, we didn't really get too far. I uh, the one thing I will say though is the intro song in the first level slaps. That was a great, like, little catchy tune. I was into that. Dude, everything about this game, other than the controls, is very lovable, actually. There was, like, great shadowing in the rooms and the corners and stuff. When this game booted up, I was like, holy shit, am I in for a treat? Maybe. I don't know. Is it too good to be true? It was too good to be true. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, the voicing is, like, that Banjo-Kazooie style, right? Where it's like, and then, you know, it it sounded just like I was playing Banjo-Kazooie so much 
but I actually had to look it up and I'm like, did Cynosis like are there team members that came from rare? Like, or did they just straight up copy homework here? It, it was a copy homework situation. Um, but it was really cool in that respect. And then those controls, man, it, they are horrible. They are some of the worst controls I've I, like. I've played tank games in the past and I don't like tank controls. This was by far like some of the worst tank controls I've ever done. Um, so after your part where you're kicking the spiders and everything else, I ended up getting to the bar where I don't even remember his name. Briny Jim. Yeah, Briny Jim. Yeah, so that's what we're looking for. Uh, he has a secret um, door within his bar that makes you question if he has a secret door in his bar that leads to the location of the lighthouse where they also happen to have everything that's going on, right? The, the people that stole shit. Is he not involved? Is Briny Jen not involved in the entire process? I, I would think he is. He's an evil guy for sure. But I didn't get that far. So I went through his secret uh, exit in his bar, which happens to be behind the bar. And it makes no sense because like a giant door that leads to the back outside. Um, you go up the lighthouse and then in the lighthouse for some strange reason. I don't understand why this is, but they said to travel from island to island, you have to go to the lighthouse, which is on a giant hill. So I'm confused. Why would you want to build an underground layer that goes from island to island, but you have to climb up to a lighthouse on a hill to then go all the way down and then go to the island? Like, wouldn't it behoove them to just make it lower to the ground? You know, like or that, take that, a boat or take that's a usually boat. how people get to islands. Yeah, or that. But it's a secret. Layer Were you like going with... under like tunnels to the islands or did you not get to the islands? I did not. Well, no, I started to get to the island. Uh, actually, I did get to the island. Is and it this is where... not just like a fast travel location or something? Oh, no, 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 uh, no, no fast travel. But here's the thing. So you go into this underground layer and you were faced with crabs. And I don't think there's any kind of good crabs, but you're faced with crabs. And oh, dude, they... good crabs are covered in butter. OK, that's true. I was thinking the other crabs. So these crabs attack you similar to the other crabs and uh, multiple are coming out at you at, at the same time and you have to kick them. Right. And they go away, but then they consistently. They're just like the spiders kind of yeah. crabbier. Uh, yeah, but crabbier. And so then you've got these, I don't even know what they were fish people or something. And so they're attacking with a sword and shield and trying to hit them is terrible because your control is shifting. And I realize I have an infant on my lap while I'm trying to play. So that doesn't help the situation as he's trying to grab the right joystick. But luckily for me, the right joystick does nothing. So we're good. And uh, I'm killing off these enemies. And then comes the platforming. And or no, no, the platforming doesn't come yet. Then comes the random need to pull a switch. And when you pull a switch, a giant barrel chases you down. But as you've already explained, when you're trying to back up, you slowly back up. And if you try to turn aside, you slowly turn aside. It's pretty much like a 98% guarantee that that barrel rolls on you and you lose a heart. Mm. And it happens four times. Then you have to attack multiple enemies. You attack another guy who has a spear. And the way this game works, it's hard to like block with your shield and then run up and attack, right? Because it all kind of happens at one time. Like there's no in transition jumping there's no in transition there is to an extent but it's very minimal um so this guy at the spear he killed me like twice knock him out he's done then the platforming comes you have to platform across like five wooden bridges with cannons firing at you in the process and as i mentioned before the transition jumping is not exactly fluid so every time you get hit by a cannonball you lose a piece of health 
every time you fall into water, you lose a full piece of health and have to go back to the beginning. That took me forever until I finally got it down and you're met with a giant shark guy with a mace who you knock out, um, finish that off. But then here's the worst part and where I kept dying is there's a hill and on this hill are boulders, just, you know, four or five boulders kind of sitting there and you're trying to run down this hill and there's almost this impossible jump that I could never time correctly. I don't know what was up with it, but like every time I hit jump, my character wouldn't jump and I would just fall down and you'd fall down maybe 10 feet and Kingsley would die and you'd have to start mm. over. And I just couldn't get that jump down. Uh, and then once you lose all five of your lives, guess where you start? The first part of a lighthouse and having oh, to go nice. through it all over again. And after that, I just said, screw it. I'm done with this game. I've put in like 40 minutes. I'm finished. So cute game. If you can get over to controls and you want to put some time towards that, I would think it's a fun game overall. As frustrating as it is, it is cute. It is good graphics. It does have good music that slaps, as Ryan said. And the story seems pretty okay for what you're playing. Brass tax wise, complete in box 6182. It peaked at 8577 in October of 2021, as did all games. It's trending down. A loose copy is 4662. That's currently at its peak and it is trending up for a loose copy. So maybe we should ask for a remake. Uh, you know, if this game was remade with new controls and put onto uh, current gen consoles, I would absolutely buy it and play it through. Like it's it's actually a decent game. It's just the controls completely ruin it. Mm hmm. And that's a big part of it, obviously. It'd be one thing if like the graphics were crappy, but like everything else is fun. But no, like if you if it's unplayable, what the hell are you gonna do? So I assume you and I are probably on the same boat here this week. Yeah, definitely. Um well, yeah, yeah, I would say this is inflated. It's yeah. just I, I guess there's just not a whole lot of them. Is that why it's so expensive? I don't know. I mean, it's there's not a whole lot of games like this, I guess. Like, I mean, realistically, when you think about it, it does look like a very good game. It's very well polished for a PS1 game. I just had it on a 4K TV and it looked fantastic. Right. And maybe there's input lag on my part. Maybe that's part of it with that jump, but I doubt it because I do play other PS1 games. that have no issues. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Nintendo 64 games and such. There's never any problems on the TV. But I, I honestly don't know why it's so expensive. I would guess it's an uncommon game, didn't sell a whole lot of copies, and it has just enough of like that fun aspect to it that people want to play it, mm -hmm. you know, and want to collect it. You want to know how much I paid for this game? $12. $3. That's much better. That is a much better price. And I, I paid that in 2014. That's what I paid was three bucks. Yeah, so definitely not a game for everyone. If you are, you know, good at tank control games, you know, and uh, a healthy challenge of an old school platformer doesn't deter you. I mean, this is the game for you, honestly. Like it could be like a nice uh, hidden, hidden gem out there for some people or you know, whatever. Well, I'll put it at a five, by the way, in terms of like a score out of 10. I saw it seven ish. And I think a five is about right. Four to five. 
would be an appropriate score in my book for this game. So, yeah. All right. That said, uh, I think next week, if you're feeling for it, we should play some Deathloop. Oh, here you go. Look, there's four players that have done nine runs on speedrun.com for Kingsley's Adventure. If you can get under an hour and three minutes, you'll be the king of Kingsley's Adventure. No, you would be a true knight. Oh, true knight of Kingsley's knight Adventure. Of the carrot, castle, vegetable, fruit kingdom. <laughs> yeah. TM. TM. Yeah. Okay. So Deathloop next week? Yeah. Deathloop. Deathloop. That, that sounds like a much better game to play. Yeah. I think I'm going to enjoy that. Okay. Well, this has been episode 241 of Game Flayers Podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.